Welcome to part two of our new series that we started last week, Fire and Ashes Forged in the Flames. Sounds like you should have some music in the background for that. Dun -dun 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 -dun. My beautiful wife, Pastor Carol, did an amazing job last week of introducing the first part in this series. And she shared the story about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the furnace of Nebuchadnezzar. So when we talk about fire, this was a good one. He heated it seven times hotter than it was meant to go. The soldiers who threw Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into the fire were consumed by it, but they ended up walking around in the seven times hotter furnace with Jesus in their midst. It was such a powerful story. And Carol shared about that, just powerful tools on how to get free from idolatry. And I want to launch off of what she shared. If you missed it, please get the podcast. Please watch that video. But I'm going to launch off of that foundation she laid. And today I'm going to talk about fighting fire with fire. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? And if you're not sure what that means or looks like in a spiritual sense, stay tuned, fasten your seatbelts, grab your coffee, let's pray and enjoy the ride. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the person who is in the fire with us. That no matter what any person watching this video is going through right now, your presence is stronger within us than anything that can come against us from outside. And so I bless this word. I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would encourage every person listening. I pray that your anointing would fill into their hearts, their homes, wherever they are right now. And I'm asking that the truths of what we share in the next 25 minutes are going to profoundly impact our lives and cause us to be encouraged and cause us to rise above every lie of the enemy as we see how heaven sees things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, friends, when we talk about fire, we all probably have been exposed to natural physical fire. We have this amazing fireplace in our lounge, which during winter has been such a source of comfort. We love it. We cut down so many trees. We have lots of wood. And we have this fireplace that we huddle around every night. My dogs love it. In fact, when it comes to around five o'clock in the evening, the dogs are already gathering at the fireplace when there's still no fire. Kind of like, Dad, Dad, light the fire. And, and we, we all enjoy this fireplace. We enjoy this physical fire. And it is a blessing to us. And if I took that fire out of the fireplace, we would all know that there are also other forms of fire that are not a blessing, that can be destructive, that can be harmful, that can be painful. And in a spiritual sense, we all know that there are, I'm going to just look at two of the primary kind of fires that we will experience in our lives. Now, the first type of spiritual, non-natural, non-literal fire that we experience is one that I don't really enjoy much, and I'm sure that if you're anything like me, you probably don't enjoy them either. These are the fires that Peter refers to in 1 Peter 4 verse 12 as fiery trials. Yes, any of you experience them, then this word is for you. Some of you might even feel like you're in a fiery trial like now, just like that furnace that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into. And no matter what you're going through, Peter writes in 1 Peter 4 verse 12 and he says, Dear friends, he starts on a very friendly note and then says this, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as if something strange were happening to you. 
Whenever we go through life, this side of heaven, we're going to experience fiery trials. We're going to experience times that are challenging. And what Peter is saying to the rest of the believers is, friends, don't be surprised when this happens. These things are going to come. It's a wonderful promise from Jesus. I'm sure you all have it on your fridge, right? That promise where Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, right? And, uh, oh, you don't have that promise on your fridge. Well, it's not one of those that we like to confess, but it's true. We're going to face trouble in this life. But every time we talk about and see in Scripture, talking about the fiery trials, the ordeals, the, the pressures, in fact, that word that Jesus used, in this world you will have trouble, is the Greek word thlipsis. It literally means pressure. You're going to go through times of pressure. But when we go through them, we are constantly through Scripture encouraged to rejoice in every one of our trials. Peter wraps up in 1 Peter 4 and he says, But as you go through this, rejoice as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. How do we rejoice in these fiery trials? I have been through enough of them to have learned some of the secrets. I still don't get it right every time, but I want to share with you some secrets. And these ordeals can come from different places. You know, it can be uh, just what life throws at you, the various troubles of living in a fallen world. It can be from your circumstances, like what you're experiencing right now during COVID. Lockdown, the loss of our sense of normal is impacting people's minds, their attitudes, their emotions. Mental challenges are on the rise. We're ministering to people across the board who are facing challenging circumstances internally because of the COVID circumstances externally. It can also come from attacks from the enemy. It can come from persecution. And, and we've taught on these different types of fire before. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time today talking about those fires other than to remind you that when you go through them, friends, Scripture tells us that we can rejoice in them. We can persevere with patience, that they can be good for us, that they stir up and build up our character, our faith, our hope. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that Carol shared on last week, no matter what fire you're going through, let's find Jesus in the fire and enjoy His presence in the midst of it. Now, the second fire, apart from the ones we don't enjoy, is the fire we were created for, the fire we were designed for. It is the fire of heaven, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire with which we fight every other fire. And so today, I want to take the time that we have left to share four freedom-forging, fire-fighting foundations to fighting fire with fire. Are you ready? Four freedom forging fire fighting foundations to fighting fire with fire. It's going to be fantastic and you're going to be fired up afterwards. So firstly, become a fire-filled fire fighter. The first secret to walking through the fires that life throws at us and being victorious is to be a fire-filled fire fighter. Now what does that mean? Let me say this to you, when we become consumed and filled with the fire from heaven, then no other fire has the power to consume you. The fire from heaven, well, Bible refers to God and His presence and His glory very often as a fire. God often manifests throughout Scripture as fire. Moses and the burning bush, you all know that story, the pillar of fire that He led the Israelites through the wilderness. It was their source of light at night. It was their source of warmth so that they didn't get cold. We, we see His glory manifested as fire on Mount Hermon, uh, later on Mount Sinai, and we see His fire falling even on the tabernacle, the temple. 
And the most prominent is where John the Baptist prophesies about Jesus. One is coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, friends, for those who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, let me say this. His fire resides within us. We were designed by God to be heavenly fire carriers. His fire within us should be greater than any other fire that come against us. The fire of heaven, let me just say this. If we allow that to be the most powerful fire in our lives, it will always prevail over every other fire that comes against us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego overcame the fiery furnace of Nebuchadnezzar by the freeing presence of the one who is a consuming fire, according to Scripture, and who would later baptize in fire. I don't know. When, when Nebuchadnezzar said, heat that furnace up seven times hotter, and there they were in this fiery furnace, after they were taken out of that fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar realized that their God is the true God, they were elevated, they were honored, they were given a life of recognition, relative comfort and ease. If you had to go to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego later in their lives, now that they've been elevated, they've been placed in this position of authority and said to them, this life of comfort that you're having right now versus the fire that you were in with Jesus, which would you prefer to be in the fire with Jesus or to live this life of comfort without Jesus? Which would you choose? I would guarantee you that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say we'd rather be in the fire with Jesus than live a life of comfort without Jesus. But I don't know if that's true for every Christian. I think there are so many Christians who have a comfort idol like Carol spoke about last week, where all we want is to just have our lives happy and, and just have everything go easily. But that is not what we need. It's not what we were created for. We were created to be fire-filled firefighters. And when that fire of the Holy Spirit burns seven times hotter inside of you than any fire coming against you, then even being in a fiery furnace of opposition, of demonic attack, of whatever it is, cannot keep you from sweet fellowship with Jesus. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had so given themselves to the God of fire that no other fire could intimidate them. That can be the truth for every single one of us. You know, when we talk about the baptism of fire that John prophesied Jesus would release. Let's consider what happened to the disciples before and after that baptism of fire. What were they like before the baptism? Virtually every single one of them denied and left Jesus except for John. The rest of them scattered out of fear. Jesus has just been killed. They were trusting that he would build a great big throne and make them all leaders. Their whole world has been pulled out from under them. They are now hiding in the upper room out of fear and terror that they are going to be killed. And intense persecution is going to come their way. They're in this fiery trial of lost despair. Everything they'd held on to and believed and expected has now been taken away. And then in Acts 2 verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in this place. A sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And what happened? Tongues of flames of fire came and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They spilled out onto the streets. Peter, who had just denied Jesus three times, stands up in front of all these crowds, no longer afraid, afraid of persecution or death, and he preaches the most powerful message. 3,000 get saved. 
the apostles, because of the fire within them, because of the baptism of fire, they went from fearful to fearsome. They went from baffled to bold. They went from being overwhelmed to being overjoyed. That's what is available for every single one of us right now. You can choose which fire you're going to focus on. And so that brings me to our second freedom forging firefighting foundation, which is fix your focus. Whenever you're in a fire, you can focus on that fire or you can focus on Jesus in the fire. Fix your focus. Whatever fires you might be going through, fix your focus on your Savior, not your circumstances. Fix your focus on our Emmanuel, not our enemy. The difference is everything. In fact, the Bible talks so much about it is how we think, what we choose to focus on that impacts our responses and our reactions. Whatever fires are coming against you, trying to overwhelm you right now, I want to say to you, look around in your circumstances, whatever you're facing, and find Jesus there. He is always with us in the fire. Christians who have a comfort idol feel like when everything's going good, God's with me, God loves me. And suddenly when we're going through fires, oh God, you left me. What happened? God, you've deserted me. It's never like that. He never deserts you. He never leaves you. Don't be circumstance driven. Be savior driven with his presence in the midst of every fire. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had their focus and their faith on God. Such as they said, whether we have comfort or not, it doesn't matter. They said to Nebuchadnezzar, our God is able to deliver us. Our God is able to deliver us, but even if he does not, we will not compromise. That's the attitude we have as Christians is we say, I'm going to put my hope in God. And no matter what, whether my life is comfortable or not, whether I'm experiencing fiery trials or whether I'm experiencing good times, I am going to choose to put my focus, my hope, my faith in the goodness of God, the fact that He's always with me, and the fact that it all works out for good. Amen? The choices that you make, this is your freedom of choice. You choose what to focus on. You choose whether in the midst of the storms of life, I'm going to look at the storms and focus on that, or I'm going to focus on Jesus and what heaven is doing in the midst of it. I've been doing a lot of reading of Dr. Caroline Leaf, love her stuff, do a lot of teaching on her stuff. I'm busy working through her book, Switch on Your Brain. I recommend it. She's a communication pathologist specializing in cognitive neuroscience, and she makes the statement that I love. She says, you cannot control the events or circumstances of your life. What you can control is your reactions to them. And what you choose to focus on and how you choose to react and the thoughts that you choose to think in your circumstances literally change the way your brain functions, literally changes the health of your body. You know, David was onto something when he wrote Psalm 23. He writes the Psalm almost as the different seasons that you will experience. And in those seasons, we choose what we're going to focus on, what we're going to react. And David makes it clear in Psalm 23, that there are these different seasons we go through. Now, most Christians, especially those with a comfort idol, want to camp out in verses 1 to 3. All of you know Psalm 23. It's probably one of your favorite verses. But the first three verses are where we all want to camp out. We want to camp out in, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'll lack nothing. He makes me lie down. Just picture this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. It's so beautiful. It's so lovely. Thank you, Jesus. And, and I've had so many seasons where I just live in this place, where it's just me and Jesus experiencing that place of peace and harmony. And yet there is a verse 4 to 5 that many of us would hope never comes, but it does and it will. And do not be surprised when it does. And David says, but even if I end up walking through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they're there. They comfort me. They protect me. And then he talks about the fact that in the midst of this dark valley, I don't focus on the shadow of death. Oh God, I'm going to die. This is so terrible. Like the Israelites, I can grumble and complain or I can see what God is doing. There's the fire. There's the cloud of his presence, the tent of meeting. He's here with us. Or I can grumble and complain. God, there's just there's not enough water. It's so horrible. It gets so hot. Which are you going to choose to do? David says, in the midst of the valley, when you feel like you're dying, when it feels so dark, I look to Jesus. There is Rodney Staff, comfort, presence, protection. And then he says, even when I'm surrounded by my enemies, you prepare a table for me. This is something God's had me dwelling on for quite a bit, is in the midst of every enemy you might think is surrounding you, throwing everything at you. The enemy is not our problem. It's what you choose to focus on and think that's the problem. Nothing can separate you from Jesus. The Bible makes that clear. There is absolutely nothing that can separate you. It's not the space between you and heaven that is the issue. It's the space between these two ears that is the issue, how we think. And I can, in the midst of the enemies, in the midst of darkness, I can find Jesus and go, Hey, Jesus, here's this awesome table in the midst of my enemies. I can see the enemies all around, turn my back on them and say, Man, let's forget about the enemies. Jesus doesn't look worried in the midst of them. And let's just enjoy the peace pies that he's made, the, the perseverance, patience, pasties, the joyful jelly babies, and enjoy the feast that he has for you. No matter what the circumstances, whether they're good or bad, Jesus remains the same. He's always amazing. And we never have to fear when his fire is in us, when in his presence, we focus in on what he is doing and what he has for us. Isaiah 43 is a great verse, one to two. It says this, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. And he talks about when you pass through the waters and rivers, they will not overcome you. And then he says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. He wasn't talking about natural fire. He's talking about when we go through the fires of life, God is with us. Jesus spent a whole lot of time with his disciples, especially Matthew 6, saying, do not worry. I had an experience with Jesus when I was going through some tough times. And, and, and I literally had this vision of Jesus looking him in the eye. And he looked at me like this and he said, Andrew, when you're in me, there is never, ever, ever anything to worry about. And it was just this wave of peace that came over. I don't know if you can feel it. I can feel it again coming over me now. Fear, worry, anxiety, stress are a choice. And the choice that you make as to whether I'm going to give in to that or I'm going to focus on gratitude, the goodness of God, the fact that He's with me in the midst of this, the fact that I can find that table of all His goodies in the midst of it. That's what I choose to focus on. And as I choose to be grateful, you literally change the way your mind functions, the way your brain functions. You literally turn genes back on and off. Caroline Leaf's book, Switch on Your Brain, talks about this so much. 
let's choose to focus on Jesus and what he has for us in the midst of all these other things and not allow anxiety to split us away from seeing him. That word anxiety in scripture is the, is the Greek word merimna. It literally means to split the mind, to divide your mind from being focused on Jesus, his goodness, his grace, him in the fire with you, to split in your mind, to looking at your circumstance, everything going wrong. I just choose to ignore that and keep my eyes on Jesus. And you can train yourself to do this. And then the third foundation I want to share is fan into flame the fire within. And I'm going to do these last two quite briefly. 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, that which was put into you through the laying on of my hands. And then he says, that which was imparted to you, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Or another word in the Greek is of self-discipline. Friends, let me say this to you. The spirit that is put inside of you is not a spirit of fear. It is a spirit of love, of power, of a sound mind, of self-discipline. But whatever God has put inside of us, it comes almost like Jesus spoke of the mustard seed. It comes in seed form. He puts the flame of his presence in us, but we have to fan into flame what he has put inside of us. Part of the way we do that is about what we spoke about in the second point. Fanning into flame by focusing on what he's put in us, not the other stuff. Fanning into flame by meditating on scriptures that promote a thinking that causes his power, his gifts to operate in me such that I can cause that to become a roaring fire inside of me seven times hotter than any fire around me. Most of us are not fanning into flame what God's given us. We, we don't fan into flame the passion, the power, the presence, the gifts. And so the fires around us seem so overwhelming. It's not because God's not there. It's because we have chosen to invest far more faith and energy in what the negative does in our life versus what God, the positive, heaven, does in our lives. And so how do we fan things into flame? I want to give you one last point that really helps to keep that flame burning and make it hotter. So my final point is to be frequently filled afresh. Be frequently filled afresh. We spoke in Acts 1, Pentecost. The fire of God fell, released this incredible fire inside of each one of them. But later on in Acts chapter 4, you will read the story that they face intense persecution. Peter and John are hauled before the scabs and the parasites, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees. Sorry, and, and they are persecuted by the elders and the chief priests and told you may not share about Jesus anymore. And it says that in Acts 4 verse 23 on their release, they go to the other disciples. They tell them what they've been told. They tell them about the persecution and the instruction of what they can and can't do. And it says they lifted up their voices to God. And in verse 31, it says, after they had prayed, the place that they were meeting in was shaken, physically shaken. And they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit such that they spoke the word of God boldly. I want to say this to you, friends. We should not just look at, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit way back 1981. It was a glorious time in my life. We shouldn't be looking back at those times like, oh, decades ago I had this experience. We should be every day be filled again. We see right throughout Acts times of refilling, them being filled, this increasing presence in us and through us is what we should be hungering for every minute of every day. Bill Johnson said this, oh, I think it was probably about eight, 
nine years ago, but I, I remember it often. And he said something about the presence. He said, most modern churches encamp around a Sunday sermon, but Israel encamped around the presence of God. Now, that's not saying that the Sunday sermon is not important. I'm glad you're listening to this one right now. What we preach is important. It's a vital part of God's church building strategy. But don't let our weekly preach become a substitute for His daily presence. Don't expect that somehow what I'm going to get out of church and the pastor's going to do it for me and that word must just encourage me and that was a great word, I'm recharged for the week. No, you in your personal walk with God is where you should be recharging all the time. You should be constantly tapping into His daily presence in your life such that when we share a message on a Sunday, you're going, yes and amen, the Holy Spirit was speaking these things to me and you're putting it into practice throughout the rest of the week. Ephesians 5.18, a well-known verse on this, says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. That word in the Greek, be filled, is the present imperative. It means not just once off, but to continuously be filled. I must say this, that for many, many Christians, they look at the day they were born again or baptized in the Holy Spirit or a few experiences they can encounter and remember but we have to come to a place where every day we say, fill me afresh, fill me Jesus again. I wake up every morning saying, I don't want to get out of bed until I've been filled afresh. I don't want to get out of bed till your fire has filled me, your grace has overwhelmed me. And so in summary, the four freedom forging fire fighting foundations to fight in fire with fire become a fire filled firefighter. Let his fire fill you so much on the inside that no fire can overcome you from the outside. Fix your focus. Fix your focus on the Savior, not your circumstances. On Emmanuel, not the enemy. On that which you can be grateful for, not that which you can grumble about. Fan into flame the fire within. Don't just anticipate, well, he put his fire in me, I'm just going to let it do its thing. No, we have to fan into flame, focus on it, build it up, meditate on God's promises, His Word, and releasing more of His presence in our lives every day by being frequently filled afresh. I'm going to pray right now that God is going to invade every place that you are watching this, whether that is in a home or an office or a car, I don't really mind. Whether you're lying in bed, doesn't really matter. I'm going to pray for a fresh outpouring, a fresh baptism of fire of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And I'm going to ask you to put your coffee down, however valuable coffee is, put it in a safe space. We all know how much we like our coffee in this church. And I'm going to ask you to just assume a position of receiving. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you to just picture yourself letting go every anxiety, every fear, every worry, every negativity. Just picture letting go. And Lord Jesus, I release you right now. I release your authority, your anointing, your fire, your presence, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit to invade every person watching this right now. I release into their homes. I release into every place that they are gathered watching this. I'm asking because heaven is not bound by geography. Heaven, would you come right now and would you invade these lives? Lord Jesus, you spoke to me about releasing this and that you would do a miracle in releasing your presence in this prayer. And so I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, 
would you fall upon every person watching this right now? Just take a deep breath and receive Him. A fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit right now. I command every assignment of the enemy against any person watching. You go to the feet of Jesus. You will not operate you anymore. Go where he sends you. I release the light. I release the power. I release the presence. I release the fire of heaven to invade every heart, every mind, every home, every marriage, every family, every business. I declare right now, no matter what fire you're in, the fire of God is going to come within you. His presence is going to fill you in such a way that his presence in the fire is all that you're going to be able to see. And I declare right now that we are going to be fire-filled firefighters wherever we go. That everywhere that we go, the fire that is within us is going to spill over. It's going to bless others around us. It's going to transform lives. It's going to cause us to be people that have the word of the Lord in season. It's going to cause us to be people who think like heaven, who love like heaven, who live like heaven. And I release that on you today. God bless you. Let this be a week of His fire transforming everything around you and setting it ablaze with the fire of heaven. Love you guys. Bless you. May this word encourage you. Lord Jesus, do a miracle. Amen.